This is the Idea Fountain, life-changing conversations. Hey, it's Julie Pilot. If you know me at all, you've probably heard about a place called Home or Youth Mentoring in L.A. I've volunteered there ever since I moved to L.A. 16 years ago. 16 years? That's almost like having a kid that's ready to graduate from high school. A place called Home opened their doors 25 years ago in South Central, and since then, they've helped 20,000 youth. Daily, A Place Called Home provides services and programs for 650 kids and 81 students in college. 90% of A Place Called Home high school graduates go to college with their APCH Shaheen scholarships. They have counseling, athletics, a music program, dance, garden-to-table nutrition, you name it. It's one of the greatest places in L.A. But it probably wasn't started the way you might expect. From talking Tupac to gangsta nuns, today we're going to catch up with the founder, the woman I want to be when I grow up, Deborah Constance. So Deborah, you know, every single month on the Idea Fountain, I interview someone who has changed my life. So today, I'm here for you. Oh, God, thank you, Julie. And what you have done by starting a place called home and so many other things we could be here till next tuesday if we talked about all the ways that it's changed my life but also thousands of youth and the ripple effect it's had on the world um and through art and culture as we talk today I think it would be really easy to talk about the timeline of the center and um, the specifics, but I want to talk to you more (laughs) about the spirit Okay. of what you did, why you did it, and hopefully uh, get information that will help other people and inspire them that they can do it too. Uh, I think you'll be quite surprised. I wouldn't put anything past you at this point. Nothing. Um, So the first thing that I think is really interesting is if you look at the power of art, right? There's so many people that think doctors are hugely important, lawyers, all these politicians, which they are. But, you know, the musicians and the filmmakers really have the capacity to change the world with their creativity. And I heard once that uh, you were inspired to start a place called home after seeing a movie. Is that true? That's true. Tell me more. Okay. I was online at a movie house, and I said, this looks like it'd be a great movie to see. It was Stand and Deliver with Jaime Escalante about the children at Garfield High School. And I went into the movie expecting nothing, and I came out, my heart was beating, there were tears in my eyes, I could not believe what this one person had accomplished with all these children. Now, that's all really I thought, Mm -hmm. but I was working for John Douglas, I was vice president of the whole company, I was in charge of- Real estate, right? Yeah, I was in charge of marketing and advertising. I was also in charge of giving John Douglas's money out into the community. So if you worked in Brentwood and you wanted $5,000 for the library, I'd go to Douglas, they'd come to me, ask me for five. I'd go to Douglas and he'd say yay or nay. So after I saw the movie, so that happened all, that happened, you know, all the time. So I decided that it would be wonderful. I know, a week later there was like a full page ad in the LA Times featuring all the gifted teachers like Escalante in Los Angeles. The bottom left-hand corner was Roland Ganges, and he taught the same thing at Jefferson High School. Hmm. So I said to Douglas, instead of funding the rich brats in Brentwood, let's fund the teachers in inner city. Because you fund one teacher, then they can have books, they can have something that they don't have now, and that would be incredible that you could help that many people versus giving a kid in Brent went $5,000 for a football scholarship, which God only knows if he needed it or not. Mm-hmm. So then I contacted Roland Ganges. I called him. I wrote to him. I sent him Snooky's cookies and milk to his classroom saying, Mr. Douglas wants to help you. Finally, I get a call from him. And he says, I don't want Douglas's money. I want your time. Mm. I thought, great, I'm dealing with a crackhead. <laughs> I mean, I could not believe you even said that. Yeah. I thought, I didn't even know where South Central was. 
I was working in Beverly really? Hills. No. Who would know? I mean, if you're in the real estate field, you're in, and you're dealing on the west side, that's that's what you're dealing with, mm-hmm. right? So even though I was on many boards, I was on a board field trying to living for the aging, for seniors, I, invo- and I was on the Claire Foundation, and I was on another board. But so then I involved, okay, so then I got down to South Central. Which, by the way, I always tell the story that the first time I went to volunteer at a place called home, speaking of not knowing where you're going, back then you used a Thomas Guide to go everywhere. (laughs) And I was looking in the Thomas Guide to try to find a place called home, and literally Central was in the crack of the Thomas Guide. I don't know if they thought nobody wanted to go there, but you couldn't find it. (laughs) So you went down. Right. And I went, into the, I went into the school, I couldn't believe it, because there were police everywhere, and you had to go through a metal detector. And this is a long time ago. Right. This isn't now, where, of course, and then um, everything, the little windows to put anything in, right? Papers. Yeah. Mon- right. So I went up to his classroom, and I instantly fell in love with him and the kids. And I worked with him for three years straight. Before I started a place called home. So help me with a point of reference with one specific time marker. So that was nine, probably 1990. Oh, so it was or 89. Because what I was going to ask you, for me, growing up in Seattle, um, 1992 was a really big year. You know, because the Rodney King riots happened. Yeah. And Boys in the Hood. And this was even before that. Yes. So there wasn't as much awareness of what was going on in that community. No, not like that. And then tell me about... But I started, the place called home started in 1993. And explain to me what you first started to do, right, as you started giving your time, and then how a place called home started. And what's really interesting to me is you had this gigantic job in Beverly Hills. You were hugely successful. How you walked away? Easy. (laughs) Everybody thought I was nuts. Right. (laughs) Roz Wyman, do you know who she is? No. She brought the Dodgers to Los Angeles. Her husband was whatever. He was in charge of bringing mm-hmm. the Dodgers. That was 100 years ago. And she still works with Diane Feinstein. Mm-hmm. Major muckaluck. And she was on the board with the National Council of Jewish Women, as I was. Okay. So when she heard that I was doing this, she called me to say, oh, I know we're ahead of time. Mm-hmm. She called me to say that I was nuts. That her her daughter has a nonprofit. It's never been successful. She's fighting all the time for every cent. She said, "You cannot leave your job. Your job there'll be a line a block and a half down your block. You will never get a job like that." Which it could have been true. It could have mm-hmm. been true. But um, because I am, a, I'm a, I dropped out of high school. I'm a high school dropout, not past the tenth grade, and um, I worked from the time I was thirteen, and I managed to build up. A huge ability. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, One thing I've noticed in the time I've done volunteer work in South Central is it can be easier to get support and donations if you hand out brochures with cute pictures of eight-year-old kids on them, right? But you were working with some of the toughest kids in L.A. How did you know that? Right, so. How did you get support? Yeah, I knew that. It was horrible. Nobody wanted to fund my kids, my older kids. Plus, I worked with all the gang members. Yeah. So you, there's no way to take a cute picture of a gang member. Right. I've tried many times. <laughs> <laughs> um, I decided, I think it was three years open, four years open, that um, I had to bring in the smaller children, the, the little brothers and sisters. Mm. Not for the money, but to stop the, stop the um, prejudice between the African-American and Latinos. Right. Because the church would be divided in half. This side was Latino. That side was African-American. And they would never meet. Right. I mean, Monique could drop a, a paper and start a gang fight. Without, wow. you know, you know Monique. Yes, I right. do. So she <laughs> Monique, uh, one of the original members of A Place Called Home. She was my home. foster daughter. She became your foster daughter. Right, by default. And now is in Seattle, right? Or yeah. is she still up there? Washington. She's in Washington. Washington, got it. Right, and her brother is on, in the Navy. And Monique is African-American. Right. And so you were saying, and Monique's tough. She's like heart of gold, (laughs) very sweet, but she looks like a force to be reckoned with. So you're saying she she could drop a paper and a gang war would break out. Right, I had to go down to the police station and say I was her mother. 
I and, love it. And this was before I was even her stepmother. Yeah. This was before. Yeah. And Lawrence, Lawrence said, Monique's in jail. She she hit she hit someone with a ball a Coke bottle. Ooh. Um, she was playing uh, basketball. She was a captain. Yeah. And so they had called her a nigger. And so she smashed them with a, you know. Good for her. So they, she was in jail, so I had to go get her. Yeah. And I had to go tell them I was her mother. How'd that go over? That was hard. Yeah. That was hard. I pulled out all my papers, put a place called home. I don't know how I did it. Who was, as you were starting a place called home in 1993, who would you say was... Uh, member number one. First one in the door. How'd you find them? Oh, they found... Well, first of all, I volunteered at Jefferson for three years. Okay. So they didn't have to find me. Yeah. They knew about me. So, because I took them everywhere. I had I had a um, hike a month program with mm-hmm. the John Douglas Brokers. Okay. And I'd have a van and all the kids would get in and the brokers would get in and... We'd go hiking, we'd go down to the beach, we did lots of things. So the early days, there was um, the first 12 people I have a picture of. Oh, wow. Right. One of them's a principal of a school in South Central, Sally Lopez. Ebony Wilson was the principal of Washington State. I mean, these weren't gang members that turned straight. Yeah. But there's a lot of stories that are true of gang members that have gone straight, which is unbelievable. Jose Monterosa, who... I think the script that they're writing is starting with that, where Jose was shot outside, behind the center, there was a white house. And I, I as part of their, um, when I hired them to work, they also had to do community service work. So they were painting the house. And so Jose Monterosa got shot. This is the story. <laughs> so they yelled, everyone yelled for me, somebody's been shot, so I run out there, and his stomach is like, flying out mm. so I have I have my hand holding a stomach in and then I hear the police coming and then I hear that coming out of the center right everybody's coming out sister Pat right and um, the police are yelling they're yelling at me you're sitting on the evidence get off and I'm yelling fuck you are you fucking kidding I'm holding a stomach in wow. I mean so <laughs> intense <laughs> right and the sister Pat Sister Pat is against the wall, her hands up. All the kids are hands up, oh. right? So it's like unbelievable. What? So then, um, oh, but that's not the story. So this is a kid I really didn't love. This wasn't one of my favorites, or even not a favor. Yeah, he was like he was a he was a hardcore gang member that was not that nice. Yeah. So I tried to make them nice, but they're not that nice. Can take a while. They can take a while. That's all. It can take a little while. You've got to wear them down. Right. <laughs> Which I did all the time. Yeah. But it just wasn't someone that was... Anyway, a few years ago, I mean a few years ago today, mm-hmm. he called me, like probably eight years ago, and said, I know you know I was in prison for a long time, but I want to, I want to come and talk to you. I thought, Okay. And he came over, and he had a new wife, and she stayed in the background. His kids stayed in the background. And he said, I just want to tell you that everything you said to me, I had no idea what I ever said to him. Yeah. <laughs> everything you said to me saved me. And when I got out of jail, I have had no uh, interaction with the gang members. And I'm working at a lighting, a lighting place. I'm making $8 an hour, and I've done that for a few years. But I just want to tell you how, how you saved me. It's not the end of the story. So then, three years later, he comes back. He says, okay, Deb, now I want, I want to borrow money from you. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> he says, no, I want to buy $300 for school. I want to um, go and learn how to r- ride a, um, the thing that tears buildings down. Demolition. Mm. He wants to learn demolition. And I said, okay, I'll lend you $300. If you don't go to school, you owe me $1,000. If you go to school, you owe me nothing. So he went to school, graduated, he's making $45 an hour now. Oh, that's fantastic. Right. So that's, that was, since that was my passion and that was my love, um, like those were all the, in the church, if you look at those photos. Oh, yeah. Um, 
there were gang members, and then there were hardcore kids, and then there was the high school kids that were great kids, right? But they all managed to get along. Yeah. An interesting thing to me, when I first started volunteering, there was that spirit of everybody was welcome. And I remember when I (laughs) first started volunteering, um, there was somebody, I don't remember who it was in the news, a celebrity, that had done something bad. And then I showed up at a place called home, and they were there doing their community service. Really? And my gut reaction was, this is a bad guy. What's he doing here? But... That kind of happened often, right? Like, everybody was welcome, no judgment. You would have people do their community service there. Um, talk about that. Well, I don't remember that. Yeah. I don't really, really, really remember that. Well, didn't, I know. did Suge Knight do some community service there? Yeah, he paid for the, he paid for the music department. That's, he wasn't there. Yeah. He'd show up. He played ping pong with Mayor Reardon. Wow. He helped plant the peace thing tree outside the center with jasmine guy and um shug and meriden and tupac too right no tupac was different tupac when i testified for tupac tupac was i forget what he had done but he was well, sentenced to do he, you you said you when you testified for tupac you helped tupac get out of jail right right Okay, so you he, went- was, he was sentenced to do a concert for a place called Home. Okay. I mean, that wow. was unbelievable. Wow. And then um, Gideon and I went to Death Row Mother's Day at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about this. Okay, every year he has a huge Mother's Day, not now, for yeah. Death Row Records when he was huge. Yeah. So everybody knew that I had gotten Tupac out, but they didn't know who I was. Giddy and I, my son and I, went into the um, um, Beverly Wilshire. We walked in. We had a sign in. And we were the only white people there. Mm-hmm. Truly, we were the only white people. And they let us in the door and then went down another tier, another tier, another tier. They're spreading the thing right to the front, right to the front. And they sat me next to Tupac and they sat, and a Faney. Mm-hmm. So I became very good friends with Afeni. Afeni and I were close friends till she died. I was wondering if um, there might be a, an Afeni weaving coming. That'd be <laughs> right, cool. Right. Yeah. So you sat next to Pac and his mom. Yeah. And um, I, da- I danced with Mac. Who's the hair? He wears hair and pants. Oh, MC Hammer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, Tupac. And plus, I was very close to Jasmine Guy, and Jasmine was close to Tupac. Yeah. And, um, oh, I came and, after that. And Jada Smith. Right. But but Jasmine, the next day after the... Oh, that shouldn't be taped. That's where private. Okay. Well, I was going to ask you a question because now, again, in 2018, a lot of times when there's a major crisis or a world event, people will bring up Tupac's lyrics and how prophetic they were, right? Right. Um, Do you think that's something people are noticing over time? Or when you were sitting next to him, did you get that feeling that he was an old soul, that he was as powerful? Oh, no, he was an incredibly, incredible, smart, loving, kind kid. Yeah period him and Gideon were talking they're the same age exactly having I mean really he's just a nice person and very smart obviously so that's all I know I didn't even know who Tupac was right and the next day Tupac's Afeni and the Aunt Gloria brought Jasmine Guy to me Mm. and that ended up being a big deal because um, Jasmine's sister Monica started the dance studio at a place called home right no, Jasmine did. Oh, Jasmine did. Jasmine did. Jasmine built the dance studio. Jasmine had the whole building painted for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. I want to uh, throw out some names and hear how some other people got involved. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Huli. Huli, <laughs> Your favorite little Colombian firecracker? Yeah. yeah. She was, I was her AA sponsor. Wow. I was her mother's AA sponsor. I'll have 33 years next month. <laughs> wow. But um, so Juliana went at a meeting. And then after the meeting, uh, we went to this little coffee shop. 
and I'm talking to Julian, I said, well, he said we have to get a 501c3. I had a whole list. Oh, I skipped over everything. I had a whole list of David, David Crippens, who was vice president of KCET. Okay. I had met with him because I was looking for a job because I decided I really wanted to work with children. This mm-hmm. was before our place got home. Yeah. This was after when I was with Jefferson High School. Mm-hmm. I decided this is my passion. I love kids. Yeah. So, um, um, and so David Crippens, I said to David Crippens, I said, I said, I can't start a center. He said, why not? He said, I said, nobody knows this. Nobody knows. I'm not a high school graduate. I'm not, I didn't, I don't have a high school diploma. Don't you have to have a college degree with kids? Yeah, working with something. kids, Something. You know. mm-hmm. <laughs> a teacher, something, right? He said, no. He said, you have to do this, 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 this. So I wrote the list. And the next day, I quit my job. I went to Douglas and I said, I know what I want to do. Da, da, da. And he said, okay. And he gave me my severance pay, which was $50,000. And that's what I used to start a place called home. But backing up, where was I? We were talking about Huli. Huli. So Huli and I see at this coffee table. This she'll love. And this man drops his thing, cat, ta, uh, business card on right next to me and said, call me. I can help you get a 501c3. Hmm. And he was works, worked for the government. I don't know what he did. I don't remember now at all. But he was on his way to prison. Hmm. He was a big guy. like a, He worked, big government guy. And um, he got the 501c3 for us in like three weeks. Wow. And so that's why I got the 501c3. Um, so then you started the center, and you and Huli were there very early days. Right. What was we that like? We weren't even there. We were at John Douglas's office sending out. I had no idea how to write a grant. And Huli had never worked with kids, right? No. He <laughs> didn't, she didn't even want to. No, no. She was going to be in the movies. Oh, wow. She wanted to be in the movies. She came to Los Angeles to be in the movies, not to... I didn't know that. Yeah, she was working in a studio. She was working for this one, that one. She would nothing to do with kids. And for me, to, I had to pull her, and I'd say, this is really great, right? But it wasn't her. I know it's her thing now. I know yeah. it's unbelievable. But it wasn't then. Right. Um, so she worked part-time. And for people that don't know, Huli, you know, started a place called Home with Deborah, and now um, is one of the program directors at Youth Mentoring, and she is one of the most powerful forces of nature, and um, she's got spidey senses, working with the kids, and the people in that organization really go get their hands dirty. It's right. not just about kids showing up. You don't show up, they'll go knocking on doors. Right. They do very, like very, very, yeah, like I've like done. You and but they've done very deep healing work right. and so that's how it started yeah you kidnapped her right <laughs> no i mean just i'm joking you you know that she didn't want to do it but you talked her into oh it. oh yeah then yeah. yeah and then tony came and wanted to train under me in the very beginning tony from youth mentoring right and so did father boyle Oh, so I don't know that story. Tell me, um, people that... People would come and see what I was doing. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I had every nun in the world coming to a place called home. Well... How that happened, I'll never fucking know. But I mean, <laughs> I am telling you, they'd call they they call me and say, they'd call me and say the nuns are here. And I'm like, oh, no. And they were they came from Sister Pat's organization. And how... And well, wait, they, they would come 10 and 12 at a time from all over the world. I sit down. I give them cookies and milk. I show them a video. I give them each a package at a place called home, and then they'd leave. And what blows my mind is, at that time, at a place called home, you were dealing with a lot of the toughest gang members in Los Angeles. Right? Did that ever freak the nuns out? No. <laughs> no. No. Wow. Not at all. I never saw them blink a wink. I love it. Well, and we're going to talk to Sister Pat, too, because... She won't even know either. She probably still she doesn't know. She blows my mind. I mean, what I've heard about the <laughs> urban legend of Sister Pat yes. is she was involved in, like, the Civil War in Mozambique. And then working with the Vatican, she was a boss nun, overseeing nuns in, like, 17 countries. Right. And at one point said, give me something harder. And they gave her an article on a place called home. No. She was up in Rome. Okay. She was Mother Superior. Wow. And then the Mother Superior Mother Superior that was replacing her gave her the package that I gave that nun to Sister Pat and said, this is a place you should go. You would love it. 
And then you guys became fast friends. How would you describe Sister Pat? I don't Pat know if we to, became fast friends, no? but when she was, she was tutoring in the in the what do you call it? In the AWAC. AWAC program. And I went in there and I said, you know, Sister Pat, I know that you're doing really terrific here. You're a great tutor. You're mm-hmm. great this. I would really love it if you'd consider working for me and being the program director with Chris Smart. Yeah. And she said, well, I'll have to. I'll have to go back and find out. And then I said, how much do you, do you get paid? <laughs> I'll have to find out. So I said, do I have to call the Pope and ask him? I, yeah. I said, you know, I'm, I, I'm a Jew. I have no idea how you hire a nun. Right. Right. So then she came back, and um, she got permission to work and named her price. And it was quite large. It was? <laughs> I figured she was going to say 30000 30, yeah. 45000 to start. So that was more than Chris was making to start anyway. So, yes, that's what, that's what it was. And so Sister Pat, Sister Pat was the first person I saw when I came out of my coma. From the accident. Yes. And I saw Sister Pat, and I went like, I took the pillow. Just checking on the back. I just saw Sister Pat, and I threw the pillow at her. No. And I said, fuck you. How did I land up here? <laughs> I could not believe it that I was back on Earth. I was so happy wherever I was. Really? And for me to return was like, yeah. I was so, mad about it for a long time. Wait a minute. So you had a very, very bad accident. Yeah, I was in a coma. And you were in a coma. I always imagined being in a coma would be like falling asleep. You just are out, then you wake up. No, you, when you had that near-death experience, what was that like? I was like in heaven. It happened before, too, when I had cancer and almost died. It's happened twice to me. So I've been that close to death that I've been gone. And I've been up there looking down and watching all of you very happily, hmm. relaxed, easy. And then I land up back. And um, maybe I was tired. Yeah. I was happy. And I couldn't believe it when I woke up. <laughs> So you Could threw not. a pillow at her. <laughs> oh my goodness! So no, I know Sister Pat very well. Yeah, all the nuns. Yeah, when I when I had what do you call it, cranial sacral, I had thousands of little nuns everywhere. Like when I'd see them when I was under, right? It's like so. Sister Pat is unbelievable, but Sister Pat's very funny, you know. Hilarious. Sister yeah. Pat's hilarious, and she's so tapped into pop culture. She's so funny. Like she'll call and ask me questions about Dr. Dre. I love it. No. Yes. Yes. Okay, so I want to throw another name out in here, background, uh, Chico. So Chico came to me through Robert Greenwald, the producer. Robert called me and said, I have a terrific person for you to hire to work with gang members. Chico Brown, da 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 Chico came in, and I hired him in a second because I don't do what they do now. No fingerprints, no nothing. Yeah, background checks. No bank, back, right. I knew he was in prison. I knew he was a drug dealer. Ricky Ross, he was partners yeah. with Ricky Ross, right. Um, By the way, do you know, I didn't even know who the real Ricky Ross was. Right, there's... And I got a call a few years ago when he got out of prison that the first thing he wanted to do on Thanksgiving was go to a place called home. And I didn't know who he was, but I said, okay, I'll meet you there. And this guy shows up, and there's all these TV cameras around him, and I introduce him to Sister Pat. And then 24 hours later, I found out who it was. <laughs> really? So, yeah. So Chico worked with Rick, Rick, Ricky, right? right? He got out of prison. Rick, Rick, Ricky didn't. Mm-hmm. So and he got he, a prison. He was in the halfway house. For people that don't know, a little bit of a bio on him, why he was in prison. He was in prison for dealing drugs with Ricky Ross. Yeah. I ran ContraScan. Right. That was that. And Maxine Waters helped him get out of prison. Everyone okay. helped Chico. Got it. And then... And Chico was great with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. He absolutely was. And then, I forgot, he became good friends with Penny Marshall. Oh, yeah. She used to be around all the time. Not around a place called home, but she was around him a lot, all the time. And the galas. Right. Right. And then, um, I don't know how he became friends with Mark. He he knew everybody. I mean, from what I understand, he walked into Bijan in Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. the clothes designer. Yeah. And he went crazy seeing Chico. 
So she knows everybody. He used to get courtside seats at all the Lakers games. that was Penny. Oh, it was Penny. Got it. So now I want to ask you, because this is something in my life I still haven't really settled, and I want to hear how you dealt with it back then and how you deal with it now, and that's your relationship with the police. Well, (laughs) in the church, it was rough Mm -hmm. because the kids would come in, in cars, zooming, zooming in, and the police would zoom in after them. Right. And then I would zoom out and hold my hands up to them and tell them, leave the kids alone. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Um, and they'd have all their guns drawn. Um, so that's how I dealt with them then. Several different, I mean, it happened all the time. They, they would come into the center and throw the kids against the wall. Mm-hmm. But this is in the beginning, this was a long time ago. So this was really when Rampart, that all those cops that were terrible what were yeah. they the, um it's still not great no no of course not it's terrible but how to deal with them yeah then i then i became friends at newton street police department and then we had our board members down there hmm. we had board meetings down there at the police department okay and now what's her name started all the gardening over there oh okay you Is know that jan perry no, no no someone at worst place got home now that does all oh, the gardening okay. her Oh, got it. You yeah. know her. Maybe Maya? Yeah. Yeah. So Maya has a huge garden down there at the police department. Right. So therefore, it was horrible. I mean, I had police working for me. Mm. I had police working for me, Sergeant Gomez and somebody else. And, um, I mean, they weren't for the gang members, but they were part of my security team. Right. They were not. They weren't acting cops. They were undercover cops. I mean... It was a part-time job for them. Just like Al. Yeah. Al's a cop. Oh, how'd you find Al? Through Probably through Sergeant Gomez. It's so great. I have a funny story for you. So Al um, uh, is security at a place called home, Al and Teddy, and they've been there forever. Right. Um, there is a rapper that I really like in L.A. I love his work and stuff. And he, I knew him for years, and he was embarrassed to tell me that he started at a place called home because he got in a fight when he was in high school and got in trouble. What? And, Who is this? Well, Go ahead. His, and anyways, his name's Six Reasons now. Off mic, I'll tell you his government name. He wouldn't like me to record that either. But I got him to come back for Thanksgiving. I didn't know he'd been a member. And he walked in the door and Al saw him like 12 years later and said, I see you. <laughs> really? And then he came in and they hugged it out. And I have a video of them running around the recording studio and just losing their minds, freaking out. Remember, this used to be over here and remember this. And I still have this tape I made here. It was it was pretty cool. Music was really big then. Yeah. When I started a place called Home, it's, it's different. It was, well, of course it's different now. Well, there was more of a drop-in vibe at a place called Home. Well, there was much, much more of... Uh, musicians that were just rappers yeah that died to come into the studio i think that one of the things that changed my life about a place called home too is um you know you're going down there to volunteer but in that community family is so important and a lot of the families are way closer than my family is right you know i don't really talk to my cousins right and um that changed me right i mean That'll be family for the rest of your life, right? Right. But, I mean, do you have anything to say for somebody that hasn't experienced it? Um, experienced what? The family in that community. Well, I started Mother Against Violence on Mother's Day. Oh. And wow. I, had, I had all the mothers. And I worked with them a lot. And I worked with them getting them so they weren't so afraid to come out of the house. They were so mm-hmm. afraid of the police and the kids and yeah. their neighbors. Yeah. Not a clue. Yeah. So I, I got them to exchange all their phone numbers and we got to meet all the time. I taught yoga to a lot of the mothers, too. I love that you did yoga. I heard stories about what you used to do to the hardcore gang members, too. Yes. With what, tell it about the, okay. what you'd put under their so, mat. So the hardcore gang members. <laughs> Doing yoga. I well, love I had, it. At first, we had Brian Kest go down to Jefferson High School. He taught all, all the whole school yoga. One I day. didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a good friend of mine. He used to come down on Saturdays and teach yoga okay. for me before I started a place called Home, when I was in the church right across the street, mm-hmm. before I started a place called Home. So, um, 
Where was where were we, what were we talking about? We were talking about what you used to do to the hardcore oh, gang okay. members to get them do to do yoga. Okay, so then I said I told them that they would really love it, It'd be really good for them. Da, 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 da. And then they wouldn't take their shoes off. Then they would. <laughs> I've seen that. <laughs> Finally got them to take their shoes off. And God forbid, take the socks off. No socks. No, the socks stayed. No matter how many new socks I gave them, no matter what I yeah. did. Um, so they knew that after the class, if they looked under the mat, someone got money. Maybe a couple of people got money. Sometimes they left five, ten, twenty, could be fifty. Yeah. But I always left something, so they always took yoga. That's awesome. You say always. They would have done it for a dollar. Yeah. Let alone fifty. Yeah. That's right. a big deal. What do you say one thing? that I've noticed is there's a lot of people that want to help and want to give back, but they don't know what to do. Or they don't, they think that they have to have a skill or a lot of money or that they actually have to do something no, one to give person back. Working with, one person working with another person brings about that psychic change. And that's why I started a place called home. Because I saw that, say I'm a real estate broker and you're a little gangster. More or less. Now, I don't know whose life changed better, the gangster or the real estate broker. Yeah. They both came out winning. The kid may have gotten money to go to college, and the broker just changed her whole life, being part of this child's life. So I saw, that's why I started a place called home, because when I, when I saw all the work that I did with the kids at Jefferson High School and the brokers, that lives were changed all the time, like that. It was like yeah. a joke. Yeah. It was like a joke. It was. It happened all the time. How would you say a place called home healed you? Well, did you read my book? Okay. I've never. I've never read it. No. Well, I I'll give it to you. Okay. Okay. So I was a hardcore kid. Mm -hmm. I was a juvenile delinquent. Oh, I was severely abused. I was um, uh, from the time I was very little. And so that I, I was fat, stupid, and ugly. The other sister was real, beautiful, brilliant, and talented. And the other sister is normal. That mm -hmm. was the three of us. And that stayed that way till, till I was in my 40s. And I was never bigger than I am now. It was just that. Uh, the mentality. What you wore, right? No, it, no, it was, I was fat because, because my parents, they were little. Mm. I came from the land of little Jews. They're all miniature. Yeah. So I am big. So when I start playing at home, I see myself as six foot three and 300 pounds. And you can ask anyone that. They all know that. I was taller than Chris Smart. I was taller than anybody. And that's how I see myself. When I stand up next to somebody, mm -hmm. that's how big I am. And I that's that. the only reason I can take guns out of people's hands. Bratton used to call me to stop gang fights. Wow. Yeah. It's, I had no fear. It's funny, there is an energy once you spend time at a place called home. Like whether I'm in a corporate work meeting or if I'm in the streets or if I'm dealing with an artist that uh, is messing with me, uh, in the back of my head, I always think, do you know where I hang out? <laughs> do you know who my friends are? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so those kids are the same kids that were my friends. Right. So that's the difference. It's like, that's why I'm not Sandra Bullock in that movie, whatever it was, Blind Spot, right? Yeah. Because I'm one of those kids. Right. In fact, when they, my book is called Fat, Stupid, and Ugly. And when we finally figured out who my character was, not only is it Fat, Stupid, and Ugly, I'm a liar, cheater, and a thief. If I wasn't a liar, cheater, and a thief, a place called home would not be open today. What do you mean? That's what I mean. I'll put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> anything uh anything else you want people to know deborah <laughs> besides the fact i'm a liar cheater and a thief well i just i mean i, mean, I, I started know. a place called home that had no permits yeah the permit i had was for adults not children so they were going to close us down for that and then i the new building that they're in now not not the bridges the other building yeah um i built out one room at a time hmm. five hundred thousand a hundred thousand twenty five thousand well that's good it's better than own the building Right. It was leased. Got it. So I think, you know, what you're saying uh, with the liar, the cheater, and the thief, in order to make great change, you have to be a rule breaker. Yep. Yeah. You can't follow the rules. I, mean, I never, ever followed a rule in my life. I'm a little bit of a rule follower. Yeah. I have a hard time jaywalking. <laughs> yeah, see, no. <laughs> 
I steal and lie and do anything for the kids. Yeah. Just figure it out. Yeah. Make decisions faster. Right, because that was that was how I grew up too. Because right. because of how I grew up, if you said what is your name, I'd say Linda. That's how bad it was. Hmm. The abuse I had. Yeah. I was so afraid of who I was. Yeah. That that's how I grew up. Isn't it just unbelievable how the cause and effect of things, right? Yeah. That all the horrible things you went through, and See, now you're one of the most powerful people I know. No. It's like all those horrible things, everything that happened to me, whether I was raped, whether I was many times, whether yeah. I was beaten every day, black and blue, whether I held a gun up to one of the husband's heads and was blow his head off, just didn't because he was too big. I figured he'd get up and kill me. Um Everything I did, every single thing, cancer I had, everything I did was a gift for me to be who I am with the children in a place called home. Everything was a gift. And I really got to see it and feel it and do it. And then I got to realize, though, just recently, that it was, it was, we were always searching for my character, for the producers that wanted to do the movie. Mm -hmm. And they're always making things up. And I'm like, what? Finally, I was seeing with Tom Wright. You know Tom Wright? No. Tom Wright. Let me show you Tom Wright. Okay. <laughs> I'm riding my bike on Goldship next to Tom Wright. Is he an actor? Yeah. And um, and he's the nicest man in the world. You should know him. He's a good-looking guy. That's Tom. Okay. He's on He's on CSI. He was on, he's now in, in um, Ray Donovan. Mm-hmm. Do you know who he is? I mean, I don't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Adam Rodriguez. Okay. And Adam Rodriguez. Now, I didn't know who he was. You know who he is? No. Okay. <laughs> this is a funny story. All right. Adam Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. 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 He's working out with this trainer that I thought was too fancy and too something. And he's working out all the time. And I figured he talks too much, this guy, the mm -hmm. trainer. Yeah. Paid no attention to Adam, whoever Adam was. Well, I didn't right. know who Adam was. And Adam kept waving to me. Finally, I said to my trainer, which was Susie. I said, who is that? She said, oh, he's the famous actor. Da, 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 da. Finally, he came up to me. He says, you're with a place called home, right? Oh, <laughs> he wow. wanted to come down to a place called home. That's great. That's <laughs> he was awesome. down there when you were honored. Oh, really? Yeah, That's he's, great. He took me up to meet Stevie Wonder. Fantastic. Right, because he knew Stevie. That and was such a special night. I you, mean, that was the most special night ever at any gala that ever could have been. It was really, uh, of course. Nothing. I mean, it's really hard to say to people, oh, yes, honor me, right? I mean, that's got, when, is it hard for you to take when people are saying, you inspired me or I want to honor you? Is that hard for you? It's hard for me. It No, because I never hear it. Really? I never hear it, so therefore. You need to hear it more. No, I never hear it, so therefore, I only took, I got 100 awards. I only did it for the kids. Yeah. And I bring yeah. the kids. And that's why I did it. I did yeah. it for the kids. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, that was a really, really special night, and it was fun. And, um, you know, there's just, it is, it it's so powerful. I there's so, so many great people. I was there. so excited for you. I was yeah. so excited to even see you. Yeah. It's really incredible. They're the luckiest people in the world to have you. Wow. You are so unbelievable. You're so gifted every way. I mean, there's so, I mean, everybody loves you. I love you. I love you, Deborah. I love you. <laughs> and I'm so excited. I feel like I'm going to keep learning from you. And I love what you're working on, your special project next year. Tell people about your strategy with the 52 weavings and how important it is. Okay. Well, I'm really lucky because um, since I'm not at a place called home, I would always be in a place called home. My heart's in a place called home. But due to my accident, it's been an impossibility um, I've been a weaver since before my son was born. He's 45. And I've always had different projects. I either wove Obama, Frida Kahlo. I, I wove Frida when I had my accident. Frida, I did wow, 100 weavings of Frida Kahlo. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Um, and so all of a sudden, I bought these cards on the Internet, I think on Facebook, the intellectual um, 52 cards. Oops. I'll pick it up. These little black history flashcards. And I loved them. And I thought, and then I didn't buy them to do weavings. I bought them to learn. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my God, I know nothing. I mean, how is that possible? Black women in history. Black 
white, black, green. I mean, first of all, because I'm a high school dropout, that could leave me lower than most. But then when I talk to anybody, nobody knows. Yeah. I could test anybody on any of these people unless I say Nina Simone right. or somebody. With or Rosa a, Parks. Right. Thanks, Professor Obvious. Yeah. Right. That's it. Yeah. And so I gave this. I kept buying these and giving them to people with children. What a great gift. Right. And very inexpensive. Yeah. So that was my purpose, was to learn, was to read and to learn. Then, and I had been doing Harriet Tubman weavings. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Harriet Tubman is a close friend of mine. She's on my arm. Yeah. Um, but then I decided who to, I was doing Harriet Tubman. I did a bunch of Harriet Tubman weavings. And then I decided I should do these, I should do all the people in this little... In the deck. Right. And then I'd have a show. Right. Because I've had shows. Yeah. Not a big deal. But it wasn't all about education then. And then when I talked to Jonathan, and Jonathan said, no, you have to do a book. No, you have to have a show. I'm going to get you an agent. You have to have a show. If you need help, mm-hmm. I'll help you. I said, okay, I'll do that. Because that'd be great. And then I thought, it would be great. They, I could have a showing. It would be a traveling show. Yeah. And then I thought... Then I decided, and then he said, you should do a book, a self-publishing book. Take pictures for you. People people should see them. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, seeing them. But then all of a sudden I thought, no, this is the key. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write about all these people. Yeah. Little snippets so that people can learn. And then that would be incredible to do a children's book and an adult book. I love it. So now I'm so excited, Julie. I finally have a mission. A mission. And I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm so excited, too, just looking around. The ones you've already started are so beautiful. I have one more question for you. Um, How big is this? Well, it depends. <laughs> uh, you know, 2018, there's a lot of shit going on in the world. And, you, you know, you look back to the early 90s when you started A Place Called Home. Would you say, are you more hopeful now? more frustrated now? How do you just digest what's happening in the world? What's happening now could not be any worse. If it goes any further down, the schools are going to be segregated again. It's the worst thing that I think that ever, ever, ever could happen. The prejudice, Jews, blacks, Mexicans, there's, the prejudice is beyond even, even being able to look at. Mm-hmm. You can't even look at it so horrible. It's yeah. so hard, but you can't look at it. So what do you say? This is worse than the 60s. I mean, I went... You think it is? Absolutely. I mean, I didn't live in that time. Yes, so I, don't I did. A, yeah. I mean, I went on my first integration march when I was 11 years old hmm. by myself. I held my hands, held my hands with a little black boy. He was Where did you grow up? I was in New York. You were in New York. We bussed to Washington, D.C. And since then, I was 11. I've been fighting for integration. Yeah. Um, so what's going on now is just as bad as that. It couldn't be any worse. Yeah, the light bulb just went off over my head a it week ago. It could not be worse. Well, it's crazy because, um, I watched and... It's hard to be black and stay alive here. It is. It's that serious. It always felt to me like the civil rights movement was... A long time ago, because the way it was documented. You look at things and it's right. in black and white. Right. And I just watched an HBO special <laughs> on Martin Luther King, and the light bulb went off over my head for the that first time. That was long ago. <laughs> that he was shot only nine years before I was born. I mean, it's been 17 years since and September think, 11th. I think I'm 71. I'm 71. So imagine what I'm thinking looking at this. Yeah. Is I can see it. How horrible is that we're back to... We're back to the 60s. What's different than this in Angela Davis and the Vietnam War and people fighting for stopping the war, but there still wasn't the prejudice even then? Well, what's one thing you want to tell people then for change? You have to. You have to always be aware. You have to always fight for your rights. You always have to fight for other people's rights. You can never, ever leave anyone alone because the child, the child that's next to you has to be saved, has to be taken care of forever. Um, and the police, I mean, I have Black Lives Matter on my license plate. You do? Yep. I didn't see that. I know you've got it on your tattoos, on your earrings, on your pants. But I have it on my car. 
And so, how's well, that gone over? <laughs> well, good drives for me, and she's white. So, <laughs> we always think that someone's going to be really mad at us, really mad, and take us in. Um, but it hasn't happened yet. And now I have my friend Lee Tonks. Yeah. He did this photographer. I mean, you would die over his photography. Wow. I mean, his art. That's beautiful. He's 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 white from uh, London. Yeah. And he's uh, he was a major Australia, and he's a boxer, big boxer, mm -hmm. famous boxer then, and now he's an artist and a real estate broker. But he, that's his wife. Beautiful. So this is on the back of my car. Yeah. So every single day. You just have to be aware and look out for the person next to you. And tell people. Talk to yeah. people. You can't you can't just sit. You can't yeah. you can't be that passive. If you're that passive, our kids are gonna be in the worst, worst environment that they could possibly ever live in. I'm so thankful that there are so many kids at a place called home connecting with other people because they're going to be the change right? right i always say man you could take a rich kid in beverly hills that has their parents credit card car social media and they're always bored the creativity comes from that community and that's where the change has to happen yeah the changes happen they have to they have to fight politically they have yeah. to get out there too they really have to i mean i did when i was young when i was younger I remember standing on the street and fighting for Mayor Bradley. Wow. And I had that, what, handing out flyers on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, Against Yorty, Sam Yorty. I mean, it was horrible. Um, so you have to. And all those kids in South Central, they should be out getting voters. Yeah. Making sure that that should be their job. It's important. Yeah. Thank you. I love you. I love you.